Top of the morning to you and a big warm welcome wherever you might be listening right around Australia. This is the Six Peas Podcast and as always, it is great to have your company for another edition. This is going to be our first analysing argument episode for the season. We of course looked at this in season one, but we're going to have a look at it again and we're going to start today by just playing um, some audio from a YouTube clip that I put up on the Six Peas podcast channel. So if you haven't checked that out already, I encourage all of you to do so. Just search for Six Peas podcast in YouTube or if not on Google and you'll be able to find a link. As I've said, we've got uh, about five or six videos up already and we're hoping to add many, many more. So today's episode is going to look at the essay writing process a bit of an overview, looking at a sample article, of course, as well, along with some sample paragraphs. We'll look at a bit of vocab, we'll look at some verbs, and of course, what we all know is really, really important when it comes to essay writing structure. Before the episode begins, just a reminder, if you would like to get in touch with me, you can do so via email at 6pspodcast at gmail.com. That's 6pspodcast at gmail.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. So when it comes to the process of essay writing for analyzing arguments, there are four steps. The first one is for you to read the article or articles a first time for understanding. Then a second reading, this time focusing on annotation. Once you've done that, the third step is to plan out your essay structure. And finally, to write and draft your essay. So let's begin at the start with our first reading of a text. These are the things that we're looking for when we read the article or articles for the first time. We want to work out what the issue being addressed is. We want to try and locate some of the following information, including the text title, the date, the form, the author, and the source. Sometimes this information will also be available in the background information, and that's definitely the first thing you should always read. Along with this, quite often this information, such as the date or the text title, might not be available, so don't spend too long looking for that. In addition, try to work out what the author's contention is, and lastly, use this time, particularly if you've got reading time, to find definitions for unfamiliar phrases or terms. Looking particularly for jargon, that is subject-specific vocabulary that you might not have heard of before. When it comes to reading the text for the second time, and this is step two, we should be looking to uh, analyse the text in a little bit more detail. So make sure you confirm what the author's contention is. In addition, try to locate what the author's arguments or reasons for their contention are. With this, think about why the author has this contention. So the author believes the contention because of A, B, or C. Look to highlight, if you can, persuasive language or any language that you think positions the audience or audiences. Once again, during reading time, you won't be able to use your pen or highlighter. So this is something that I would be practicing uh, before it comes to the SAC or the exam. Try to gauge the tone of the article. To put it quite simply, think about whether they're being a little bit more positive or negative. Are they being balanced? And look for some more sophisticated vocab to describe that 
They could be attacking or scathing. They could be hopeful or optimistic. Once again, think about building that vocab. And the last thing is to really have a think about the audience, the purpose and intent of the article, and who the stakeholders might be in this case. Step three asks you to plan your essay. In this, we want to find our I'd act fast information for our introduction. I'd act fast meaning the issue, the date, the author, the contention, the title, the form of the article, the audience, the source, and lastly, the tone. All this information is crucial to put in our introduction. Following this, we really want to pinpoint the arguments that we want to focus on. So sometimes an article might have six or seven arguments, and sometimes it can be difficult to have enough time to write on all of those. So select the ones which you think are the most important, particularly those which you think you can link to the other texts. Make sure as well you highlight that persuasive language and think about how it positions the specific audience or audiences. And the last thing you need to do is to formulate links between the texts. How will you contrast and compare the arguments and the language being used? With this, this is an important component of the VCE English outcome. However, it is not on the exam and it is not on the AL curriculum. But it is very important in your SAC for English that you do contrast and compare the texts in your SAC. Step four is the writing process. Once again, we want to include that IDACT FAST information in our introduction. You might have a different acronym or some different information, but it pretty much is all the same. It's that basic information to introduce both the texts. For our main body paragraph, we want to follow this kind of process, outlining the argument, including some evidence through the language being used, and discuss and analyze the audience impact. And the last thing, we want to make sure we're using our connectives to ensure that we're contrasting and comparing the arguments and the language in all of the articles in the SAC. And of course, you need to analyze all the texts. This is both the written texts and the visual texts. So, step one, our first reading. And we've got two texts here to have a look at, courtesy of Insight Publications. And the first one is letter one. The proposal to make public transport free by Mr. Abib, a regular tra public transport user, should be welcomed by all right-minded people. The reality is that the current, current ticketing system does not work. Too often, the machines at stations are out of order and people are unable to top up their transport cards because counter is unstaffed and shops unopen. This leaves honest and decent people with no alternative but to travel without enough credit on their cards. They risk being caught by a ticket inspector, as happened to my neighbour last week. A hard-working single parent, she now has to pay a $207 fine she can hardly afford. Although she's had enough money on her to pay for her journey, she was unable to top up due to a faulty machine. Because of a broken ticketing system, my poor neighbour is now a criminal. Is this fair? Making public transport free will also solve the problem of fare evasion, that is, people not paying to use the system. A recent study by Chatfield University 
show that some 15% of people do not pay when they use public transport. This means that honest people like you and me have to pay large sums of money so that others can travel for free. Furthermore, many people do not use public transport regularly. Is it right for them to have to spend $7 to buy a public transport card to use once? Are the government doing this just to make money out of people? Making public transport free will also benefit car users. Dr Daniel Edwards of Chatfield University argues that as more people use public transport instead of cars, there will be fewer cars on the road, which means fewer traffic jams. That means everyone would be a winner. Let's admit that the current user pay system is not working and get rid of it. Free public transports, please, Mr Premier. That's from Leah Nung, a car user, and we can see the visual in the top left-hand or right-hand corner, I should say, which depicts a ticketing machine that is out of order. He's obviously agreeing with this article. Let's read article two. Letter two. Making public transport free would be a disaster. Trains are already overcrowded, and by making public transport free, there will not be enough room for those who have no other option than to use public transport. Already, some trains do not stop at certain stations because there is no more room to pick up extra passengers. And where is the money coming from to pay for this scheme? The answer is simple. You, the hard-working taxpayer, who may well hardly use public transport. Yet again, the government has found a way to waste your money. This proposal is fundamentally unfair. It discriminates against people who live in the country and never use Melbourne's public transport system for one thing. Australians pride ourselves on being fair to all people, so I'm sure the majority will join me in opposing this ridiculous scheme. From Kane Johns, a public transport user. So looking back at the information that we need from our first step. The issue is very clear. It's about free public transport. The text title is also there. It's letter one and letter two. Now, these aren't really important text titles, but they are there. There is no date, and that's okay. Don't spend too much time looking for the date. The form is also pretty clear. They are both letters to the editor. We can see the author's name down the very bottom, as well as their, um, I guess, position as a stakeholder in this argument, which is one being a public transport user and one being a car user. Other forms that are quite common are editorials and opinion pieces, as well as speeches. And it's important that you read the background information because sometimes these can be clarified or look for little visual clues. For example, opinion pieces will often have the author's name up the top and possibly a picture of their face. A speech will often begin with an introduction, such as ladies and gentlemen. And for letters to the editor, we always look for the author's name down the very bottom of the article, along with their suburb, or in this case, their position on the argument. Now we have the authors as well, who are Leah Nung and Kane Johns, and there is no source. Once again, this might be located in the background information. If it's a speech, sometimes the source might be a forum, or in one of the exams uh, recently it was an awards ceremony. So once again, make sure you check your background information for that. We've also got clear contentions for both. So when it comes to this issue, it's very clear that Nung is in favour and Johns is against implementing public transport. So step two, our second reading. And we want to look a little bit more closely at the text now, thinking about arguments and language that is being used. So when it comes to letter one, the first 
paragraph talks about the reason behind this issue coming to a head or drawing media attention, and that is a proposal by Mr. Abib, a regular public transport user, and the fact that it should be welcomed by right-minded people. And that's really important. The next paragraph focuses on some of these arguments. So the first one is the fact that the current ticketing system does not work. That is the argument. That is why Leah Nung wants public transport to be free. And following this, we have some information. Uh, Firstly, we have some anecdotes regarding machines at stations being out of order and the inability to, to top up and the fact that the counter is unstaffed. She's very descriptive when it comes to this. She also uses language that has connotations such as honest and decent in describing her as well as other public transport users. And she closes this argument by using an anecdote about her neighbour, who is a hard-working single parent. Note how she includes this information in there to depict her as someone, again, who the audience feels sympathetic towards. It's a significant fine for someone who can hardly afford it. And it also closes by depicting her as a criminal and a rhetorical question to close whether this is fair. And the audience obviously is going to say that no, this is simply not fair. Subsequently, uh, Nung comes to her next argument. And we're really lucky in this article because each paragraph sort of focuses on a different argument. This one is about the fact that public transport being free will solve the problem of fare evasion. And here we have some evidence through a study from a university, and that is Chatfield University. So we've got some concrete evidence here. The fact that 15% of people do not pay when they use public transport. Once again, we've got the repetition of this word like honest, and even the phrase people like you and me. She's being very inclusive here. Again, she wants the audience to share her reasoning behind the idea that public transport should be free. In the next column, we have our our next argument, which focuses on and targets people who don't use public transport regularly. And you'll notice here that she uses consecutive rhetorical questions to try to evoke, once again, support from those people. So she's not just talking to people who use public transport, but also those who don't use public transport. And that's really important in getting her message across. If the audience does change or does shift, make sure you mention that. Same too with the tone. If a tone in an article shifts, make sure you reference it. And the last thing that you need, the last argument I should say, is the fact that free public transport will benefit car users. And once again, we've got some concrete evidence. This time, it's an expert from Chatfield University in Dr. Daniel Edwards. The other thing is we've got some cause and effect here. If there are less people in their cars, there are fewer traffic jams. And that would mean that everyone would be a winner. So the fact that she's reaching out not just to public transport users, but also to car users, of which she's one. Now she closes with a call to action, and that is towards the Premier, when she says, free tickets please, Mr Premier. And this is really important because once again, we get that audience shift. She directly addresses the Premier, who obviously is in charge of public transport. So when it comes to positioning the reader, She does this by directly addressing the Premier and pleading with him to make a change that would benefit a wide range of people within society. Here we have Kane Johns, and he opens with a direct statement about 
his contention, meaning that public transport being free would be a disaster. And once again, that has particularly negative consequences. The idea that trains are overcrowded is his first argument. The idea that there would not be enough room and the fact that for those people who have no other option than to use public transport, he's directly addressing public transport users. Again, he uses some evidence, it's not concrete, but it is there, about trains that don't stop at certain stations because there is no more room. In the next paragraph, he focuses on the idea of money and the idea of where the money will come from to pay for free public transport. And when he does that, he actually answers his question by directly addressing the readers, saying you, the hardworking taxpayer. Once again, notice the use of the word hardworking there to describe the reader. Again, he's vying for their support on this issue. And even the word, a verb at the end, like waste your money. Again, it evokes frustration and anger within taxpayers. And the last argument that Johns focuses on is the fact that this proposal is fundamentally unfair, meaning that it it, uh, discriminates against people who live in the country and never use Melbourne's public transport system for one thing. So here he is once again addressing a different audience, this time people who don't live in Melbourne. He uses this keyword Australians, which evokes a sense of patriotism within people and the idea about being fair. And that is definitely an Australian value of being fair. And he closes by saying, so I'm sure the majority will join me in opposing this ridiculous scheme and attacking the scheme at the end by calling it ridiculous. So, after reading this for a second time, what information have we found? Well, for starters, we know that the author's contentions are contrasting. So Nung is in favour of public transport, while John's is definitely against it. When it comes to arguments, we're really fortunate in this case that each paragraph sort of um, revolves around a different argument. So for Nung, she believes public transport should be free because the ticketing system is already broken, because it solves fare evasion, and it benefits car users, not care users. John's, on the other hand, believes that public transport shouldn't be free because it is overcrowded already, it is too expensive a scheme, and it doesn't benefit everyone. With the tone, Nung seems to be a bit more logical and considered in terms of the audience she addresses, while John seems a little bit more outraged and is quite attacking of the proposal. With audience, both are addressing public transport users as well as others. So we have Nung looking at car users, we have John's looking at taxpayers as well. And think about the purpose. Once again, both authors are looking to convince the government as well as the general public to have a clear view on the implementation of free public transport. So, once we've done that, we can now plan for our essay. So what we've done here is we've broken up the three texts. So we've got Nung's text, John's text, and the visual. With Nung, we had four clear arguments. The first one, the fact that the ticketing system does not work, the fact that it solves a problem with fare evasion, the fact that many people do not regularly use public transport, and the fact that it benefits car users. With our arguments, you've noticed in this case that quotes have been used, and that's okay. In fact, you can bring in quotations into your topic sentences to state the arguments. That's okay. In a text response essay, we probably wouldn't be likely to use a quotation in our topic sentences. 
But here we do. Now, rather than writing down the quotations uh, underneath, I've written down persuasive devices. Now, be careful with this. This isn't a treasure hunt. We don't want you to look for persuasive devices and label and list them throughout your essay. What we're doing here simply is looking for the different sections that we might think about analysing. And again, we're always thinking about how the author wants to position the reader. Now, John's has three arguments. The fact that public transport is already crowded, the fact that it is very expensive, the scheme that is, and the last one, that the fact that uh, free public transport does not benefit everyone. With the visual, we've got clearly it's of the ticketing system, so this argument would be that the current ticketing system does not work. Now, by listing my arguments like this, it's now uh, I'm now able to link them together and look at whether they compare or contrast. So for argument one of Norm's text, that links in really well with the visual argument about the ticketing system. So I might group these two together. Norm's second um, uh, argument, the fact that it solves the issue of fare evasion, comes back to this idea of money, and that links in a little bit to Johns's argument that free public transport would be quite expensive. Now, when it comes to argument three of Nung's text, the fact that many people do not use public transport regularly, um, I couldn't really find um, an argument from another text for that, so that might stand on its own. Similarly, John's first argument, the fact that public transport is already crowded, doesn't really link in to many of the other arguments. However, both the written text's last arguments link in nicely. Firstly, the fact that free public transport does benefit car users as opposed to John's who argues that it doesn't benefit everyone. These are contrasting arguments. They're arguing for different reasons. So while Nung and the visual um, go similarly, uh, conversely, we have the argument four of Nung and argument three of John's. So now we can start to plan how we're going to write this essay. And there are two ways that you might want to go about this. Once again, it's really important to note that in the English SAC, Part of the criteria asks you to compare and contrast the texts. In your exam, this is not essential. So there are two ways we can go about this, anchor or sequential. When we use the anchor method, we work through the main text in order and compare it to the other texts when necessary. That means we work through the main text in order and any time we need to make a comparison or a contrast, we talk about that text second in the paragraph. With this, it works really well if there's a sort of a more significant text or a longer text being used, and then a shorter text or a visual being used as well. When it comes to the sequential method, this is when we work through each text in order. Now, what you might note with this one is you do your comparing back to the first text. So when you're talking about the second text, you then compare it back to the first text. When you talk about the visual in this case, you'll go back to the first text again. So every time you make a comparison, it's always back to the previous text that you've spoken about. Now, when I place these arguments from the text we've just read into this system, you'll notice that the anchor works a lot better. Primarily, that is because that first text is a little bit longer. Also, you'll notice in the sequential order, if I was to do that, that my opening paragraph talks about the ticketing system and then to talk about the visual, I'm going to have to go back and discuss that argument again. That means that I might be, in the end, being a little bit too repetitive with my analysis. 
That's why, in this case, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to use the anchor method and go through that main text in order and link and compare to the other texts whenever I need to. So, let's have a look at writing your essay. With this, um, you'll notice for the introduction that I like to use the I'd act fast. Uh, the reason for that is, first, it's easy to rem remember. Um, and also, I think it contains all the information I need to. Now, some people look for other information as well, such as words like intent and purpose. But for me, I find this works really, really well. So I stick with the I'd act fast. Now, when it comes to an introduction, there are templates out there, such as this one, which is from uh, Checkpoints, Cambridge Ch Ch Checkpoints. And once again, it allows you to bring in all that information uh, in a logical structure. What I would encourage you all to do is to think about your own template that you might use that is able to include all the information necessary. Of course, with templates, they are limiting to a certain extent. So, sometimes you might have to be a bit flexible in the way that you write. But we're going to show you a sample in introduction here and look at to make sure all the information is contained in that. Recently, the issue of public transport was addressed in the media following a proposal by Mr Abib to scrap fares. In her letter to the editor, Leah Nung contends that public transport should be free. Nung combines a logical tone with a straightforward style along with an accompanying photograph in an attempt to convince fellow public transport users and the state government to consider the proposal of free public transport. In contrast, Kane Johns employs a more attacking tone in his letter to the editor while also arguing to Melburnians that free public transport would be a disaster. Once again, I've tried to include all the IDACT fast information in there. Now, sometimes you might find, say, for example, the publication or source uh, might be the same or the audience might be the same. If that's the case, make sure you bring that up as well. So it might, or particularly if it's in response to an article, you might talk about the fact that it's in response to an article in the same publication or in a similar tone, or to a similar audience. Mention that. It's important to know that you can also compare in your introduction. Obviously, you're not going to analyse it, but it's good to compare it as well. And with the visual, in this case, the visual is contained in that first text. So I'm just going to briefly mention it. However, if it was, say, a cartoon that was separate, you might need to introduce it separately as well. Once again, being careful with our fluency. So when it comes to our main body, we want to stick to a similar structure that we do in our text response essay. That being, having an argument, using our evidence or implementing our evidence, and then explaining and analysing it. So firstly, make sure you outline the argument or reason in the article. Work through in sequential order, as I said before. Some verbs that work really well for topic sentences are verbs like argues, asserts, and advocates. But you might find verbs like outlines, suggests, depicts, and highlights also works. I'd encourage you all to build a verb bank for this type of essay. Now, once you've outlined the argument, you can then move on to your evidence. This is quotations from the article. Be careful not to label or list persuasive devices here. Now, once you've got your quotations, you can explore how this positions the audience. My advice is to have a think about how that language positions the audience to think to feel, or sometimes to act as well. And for verbs, think about ones like evokes, elicits, positions, compels, 
encourages, and attempts to. Now, this is a really important point to make as well. We don't know 100% for sure how the audience responds. So make sure you use kind of language that isn't as certain or firm as you would in, say, a text response essay. So verbs like encourages, attempts to, aims to, is likely to, in a bid to, they work really well just to show that you aren't being too um, decisive. And the last thing to do, if you can, is obviously to link to other texts, if possible and if it works. Don't force this. It should come pretty naturally. And some connectives to use, and these will come up in your comparative essay as well. But if they're opposing, go with verb, or phrases like in contrast and conversely. And uh, if they agree, phrases like similarly and in the same way. Avoid repeating these too often though. So let's have a look at this sample main body paragraph. Nung opens by advocating that the current ticketing system is inadequate. She offers a personal angle as she details that her poor neighbour becoming a criminal due to a faulty machine. Her witness of her neighbour's misfortune invites readers to understand the detrimental impact on the individual caused by the ticketing system's deficiencies. The anecdote also highlights the realistic ramifications caused by ticketing, prompting the audience to view free public transport as a logical solution. Additionally, the accompanying photograph displays the ticketing system as out of order, along with the colloquial language LOL and sarcasm only the fourth time this week to ridicule the frequently malfunctioning system. Nung attempts to evoke frustration from public transport users who have shared a similar experience on their daily commute and compelling them to view free public transport as a viable solution. So now it's over to you to have a go at writing some other paragraphs. Once again, make sure you stick to that structure. Outline what the argument is, bring in evidence that positions the reader, and analyse or explain how it positions the reader. How does it make them feel, think, or act? Lastly, make sure you're making those connections. Back to the other texts when it's necessary or when it works. Funny.
Thanks once again for tuning in to the Six Piece Podcast. Really appreciate your support and have done so over the last couple of months or even the last year if you've been tuning in since day dot. Just a reminder that there is plenty of content on the YouTube channel as well, so search for Six Piece Podcast on YouTube. Uh, from here on in, though, we do want to keep the content separate. Um, I'm pretty eager to have specific podcast um, content and delivery as opposed to the YouTube channel because they are quite different mediums and I think they deserve to be treated as such. Coming up this week, we are going to have a another episode of the Jim and Tim show. Thanks to all of you that sent in your questions. We're hoping to record in a couple of days and uh, we'll obviously have some more podcasts up over the next few weeks in regards to analyzing argument. Just once again, if you would like to get in contact, you can do so via email at 6pspodcast at gmail.com. That's 6pspodcast at gmail.com. But for now, I've been Jim Session. This has been the 6Ps Podcast, reminding you that proper prior preparation prevents poor performance. Are we finished? Done.